Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the books of Mark and Luke about the human needs of change and calling. Jesus offers people the potential for change and purpose, and God assigns our value. In the lives of Matthew and Zacchaeus, Jesus demonstrated forgiveness and grace, seeking and saving. Matthew and Zacchaeus both answered the call of Jesus, signifying a lifestyle change that would certainly cost them. However, we know and will see that the choice to follow Jesus is better than any offers of the world. And now, here's Pastor Eric. What a great privilege we have to, to worship and to be a part of Adairsville Baptist Church. Uh, so thankful for all of you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 says these words. It says, and Jesus reclined at table. That's the way you did. You didn't sit the way we do. You sat propped up on an elbow, kind of laying forward or on your side. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they were reclining with Jesus and His disciples. Have you ever thought about it? Why did the tax collectors and sinners want to be around Jesus? Why weren't they repelled by Jesus? What was it that would, that would draw a tax man to say, but I want to be around this guy. I want to be around him. I don't feel condemned or judged, but I mean, you know, what, what does darkness have with light? Why did the tax collectors and sinners want to be around Jesus? What drawn or drew them to Christ? I can think of two main reasons. Two soul needs that they had that we also have. And they are, number one, the need for change. And number two, the need for a calling. Every soul needs a Christ. And Christ offers this to us. Now, you know all truth is God's truth. Amen? So like when the scientists study the stars in the universe, that's truth and it's God's truth. Well, what they say, you know, what, what part is truth is truth and that's God's truth, right? Or the study of, of man or history or our, our bodies. I mean, all truth is, is God's truth. And if it is true, then it, then it belongs to God. If it's false and error, then it's, it's not of God, right? So the study of the, the planet, it's, it's God's truth, and we can be able to look at that and go, wow, what a great evidence of God and how this reveals God. But also, psychology and the, the study of the mind and the heart, that also, psychology is God's truth. It's, 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 it's the way God designed us. And so I want today to kind of start with um, maybe some of the main thoughts, uh, some of the conclusions, if you will, um, I want us to look at the soul needs, and then I want to get to the Scripture, and I want to show it to you from Scripture, and I want to show you how it plays out in the life of, of, of Jesus Christ. And so, I want us to look at the two soul needs that we all have this morning, that even the tax men, the two tax collectors that we'll look at today, even that they have. Number one, the first soul need is this, the desire for change. Every person wants a do-over. 
at some point in their life. Every person wants a do-over. Every person seeks something more. Seeks something better. Desires a fresh start. It's like the kid re-kicking the ball. It's like the teen resetting the video game, right? They want to do over. I need a do over. I need a fresh start. I'm not winning the game off, right? Off. Forget it. I just cut it off, right? We did that. Like I just cut it off. I need a do over. I need a fresh start. Uh, I need. To, I need to redo. I need. I need something different. It's like the kid re-kicking the ball. It's like the teen resetting the game. It's like the lady buying and buying. It's like the man in the midlife crisis, all some way and somehow looking for change. And people may look to numb the desire to change, or they may attempt to satisfy it in a whole lot of ways, but it's still there, and it still begs attention. You see, our souls desire change. I desire change. And so if I buy this and I do this and I change this, then maybe that will meet the desire of my soul. So I change and I spend to change or the man breaks down and I look for love here or I go through this midlife crisis and I, I'm, I'm seeking change. Everybody seeks change. From the littlest of kids to the oldest of adults, our souls are born with this longing for something new and something better. I think it's by design. There are a lot of words we use. There are a lot of actions that we perform, but deep down, they really all reflect that we all desire a change or a do-over. Number one, we desire change. Number two, there is this desire for calling. I give it the C, and you're going to maybe hear it more with this word. Everybody wants a purpose, don't they? Everyone wants a purpose. And with that sense of purpose comes a sense of Identity. Everybody desires to be special. We like identity. Do you remember there was a time when clothes didn't have labels? I guess there was a time when most things didn't have labels. Why did labels come? Why well, start to put labels on things? Because it identifies us with a brand. It identifies us with a, a maker of a car. Or now we just, labels are everywhere, right? We just seek... Um, a calling, I, I'm, I fit this tribe, I have this identity, uh, I'm special because of, of this, or, or this is my purpose. We all desire a call to people, that people would call upon us, that we would be called to help somebody in some way. We all desire a call to a future, to a future that's worth living for. We all desire that hope. I believe built in us is number two, this desire for calling. And that comes with some parts. A, we desire intimacy, right? We all have that desire. We all want to be known. We all want to be understood. As the teenager say, you don't understand me. Or you may tell you, but you're not understanding what I'm saying. We all want to be known. We all want to be understood. Even the loner in here on a Sunday morning wants to be loved and accepted and known and understood, although they won't engage. Their soul craves it. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We all want to be wanted or desired. And we're born, we need friendship. We need 
belonging. We, we want to be called. So A, we desire intimacy, but B, we also need a destiny. And I think the calling provides that. Uh, an identity, but also a destiny. And some find their calling in vocation. Some find their calling in a, in a boy or a girl or a man or a woman or a, a hobby. This is my identity. This is my destiny. This is what I'm living for. So B, we all need a destiny. We all need hope. What happens when you lose hope? We all need dreams. What happens when you stop dreaming of better? We all need a destiny. And we all, no matter what the age, we all need to realize and understand our value and our worth, to know that we're significant, to know that we have meaning, and to know that we have a future to live for. It's dangerous to stop dreaming for better. It's dangerous when you and I, in our lives, we just stop dreaming about better. It's dangerous for a church to stop dreaming for better, right? It's dangerous for a middle schooler to stop dreaming for better and to not understand these things, although that's really what their soul uses. They may use a different word. What is language? It's just, right, like this word, we may think, you know, this word means this, and we use language to express ourselves, and some people are expressing themselves with different words, but really, those words are pointing to something deeper, that they long for, that they don't understand. We need change. We want it. We want a calling. We don't know how to put this into words, and we don't know how to get it. But it'd be dangerous for us to stop dreaming for better. And so we, we need, often in our lives, we, we have to have hope calling us, continually calling us and, and begging us on. It's easy for teenagers and young adults and adults and senior adults to be disoriented when you have no final destination. How <laughs> people go through this life if they don't have a final destination. I guess you're just disoriented. We need a future to believe in. And so we don't wander through life. So many are wandering through life, you know. If you don't understand the origin of where you came from and you don't understand the future of where you're headed, then to me, there's not a whole lot in this life to do except to just with disorientation just wander around going, is it here? Do I find change here? Do I find calling here? Do I find purpose here? Will this satisfy the needs of, of my soul? I don't know. <laughs> I wonder. We all want something to do. It's true, right? You saw that during the early stages of COVID when you sat around the house like, I gotta have something to do. I want to do something. We all want something to do. We all aspire to accomplish and when you stop aspiring, that's a dangerous thing. When you stop accomplishing, that's a dangerous thing. We all desire to do something and aspire to accomplish on the way to a destination. That feeling you get when, ah, I accomplished the project. It's done. This, this happened. I saw this victory in my life. So the whole purpose that I believe is of that truth is because it's God's truth. And in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ grants us both a do-over and a purpose. Amen? It's Jesus. Jesus grants us both a change and a calling. Here it is. The meaning to life is Jesus. He satisfies our heart's desire. Here, Christ calling today. Jesus alone satisfies the desires of our soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ, Christianity, meets and satisfies all those desires and needs. And what He does is He gives us new life and He gives us clarity. Every soul needs a Christ. I think 
that those reasons, that reason, is why the tax collectors and sinners were drawn to Jesus. I think that is why the tax collectors and sinners wanted to be around Jesus and they weren't repelled by Him because He saw and He offered people the potential of change and purpose. Wow. I'm drawn to that guy. Don't know why. Well, this is the desire of your soul. But He gives me a fresh start, a do-over, something better. He gives me a calling, a purpose, an identity, a destiny, something to live for. Why do I want to be around a man like that? Yeah, it's what Christianity is about. I'm thankful for the Bible as we open this morning to the story of two tax men. Mark chapter 2 is where we'll begin. Mark chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 13 through 17. You see, in the Bible, as you turn in those holy pages, the Bible tells us that God assigns our value. You're made imago Dei. You are made in the image of God. Genesis tells us that God assigns our value. He gives us value. The Bible tells us our origin. God tells us our origin, where we came from. And He tells us about the afterlife and eternity, all in the New Testament. In Revelation, He tells us where we're headed. God tells us why we're here, where we're headed, and He tells us time and time again that we are special. Now listen, people that don't understand those things, you say, I understand all that. Okay, okay. People that don't understand these things, they may give up on life, or even end it. They may give up on life and end it while alive. <laughs> you know, they're living, but you're thinking, hey, well, you're just existing, not, you know, you've, you've ended your life a long time ago. People that don't understand these things, they may even go to the extreme of ending it by suicide. So you see where I'm headed, but I want you to see it from Scripture because that's the truth of God but you'll find it in all sorts of stories. I want us to see it today in the story of two tax men. It's a story of change and it's a story of calling that meets the deepest needs of their souls and our souls. An offer of a do-over, a fresh start, an offer of a new identity and destiny. It's the story of Matthew and Zacchaeus. Matthew and Zacchaeus. Matthew also called Levi. They experience a change and a call. Now these things, we could preach it from a number of different people. Jesus offered the change in the call to the twelve disciples. That's huge. You want to do over? You want a purpose? Follow me. And Matthew being one of those, right? I mean, he, he receives this. But we could do, use Nathaniel. We could use all sorts of apostles, disciples. The twelve experienced that. The tax collectors experienced that. A call, a change, a fresh start. He offered this to the blind. He offered it to the women, whether they were caught in adultery or standing at a well. He offered it to the lepers, and He offers it to us. And so I want us to look first at Matthew's story. So turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 2. Now you can find Matthew's story in Matthew, the gospel which he wrote. You could also find it in Luke, but I like Mark's account of it. Mark chapter 2. Verses 13 through 17. See, test me if you don't see these truths play out in our Bible text today. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, Jesus, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to Him. 
Jesus drew a crowd and He was teaching them. There were things that were going on that they were drawn to. And as He passed by, He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. We learn this is Matthew. Here he gets this, he's using this name, Levi. The Bible says he is at the tax booth. He is a tax collector. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now there's a whole lot going on there. I don't think this is just a blind meeting of Jesus walking down the road and seeing the tax guy and go, hey, follow me. Okay. And, you know, perhaps they had met before. Perhaps they had had some interaction before. Then they, they, they at least maybe know about each other or at least Matthew maybe knows about Jesus. But there's more to those two words, follow me. That was something that rabbis said to their disciples, their students. A lot of Jewish boys would go through training and they wouldn't make the cut and they would go back to the family business and the trade. But some of the best would hear these words, follow me, and they would go under a rabbi and they would be discipled. And then I'm even told maybe there was another cut later on, you know, like you got to go to college or something like, come follow me and be my... So when Jesus says, follow me, it's not just like, follow me. Those are official words of like, come be my disciple, learn from me, do what I do. There's going to be a, a training here. So maybe there's some previous interaction, but Jesus offers this guy a change in calling when he says, follow me. Now, we keep going. Verse 15 says, And as he reclined at table in his house, apparently Matthew throws the party, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were, watch this, many who followed him. What is it that draws a tax collector who's hated to Jesus? What is it that draws these people to come to a party and not be repelled by? What is it? What is it? Well, there's some people who don't like that. They're all there, and Jesus is eating with them. So are his disciples, and some of the tax collectors are becoming disciples. And verse 16 says, And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, which were there, they don't go to Jesus, they go to the others, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, a meal was the most bonding thing in this culture. It was a symbol of bond, trust, even fellowship. That's so important. When you went to somebody's house and you ate with them, you were bonding with them in a special way. Trust and fellowship. And why Jesus? Why does Jesus do that with a tax collector? Why is he doing that with what, who we call and label sinners? That's the tag we put on them. So the story continues. It's verse 17. When Jesus hears it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, or the self-righteous, but sinners. That's why I came. The story of Matthew. Matthew is probably, I guess you could debate it, but he's probably the most notorious sinner of the twelve disciples. Because Matthew is labeled unclean. He's labeled a traitor. He's a Jewish guy that's working for the Romans, that's taking from his Jewish people and giving it to Rome. I mean, this guy is the ultimate traitor. He's the ultimate bad guy. He is unclean. I've said before that the tax guys were like school bullies. I mean, they took the lunch money, you know. Really the way this worked is they would take the tax and whatever Rome required, they would pay Rome, but they would pocket the rest. So this is what I'm told, that there were 
two types of tax men. One that starts with a G and one that starts with an M. And the one that starts with the M, those tax guys, the M tax guys, they were a lot more corrupt because of the things that they taxed. So there were more opportunity for them to go, yeah, I can get rich here and here. And I'm told that Zacchaeus and Matthew were probably the M tax guys, the guys that were corrupt. Now, one was a lesser and one was a greater. They had greater M's and lesser M's and Matthew's the lesser M and Zacchaeus is actually the greater M. You study it. But this is probably one of the 12 disciples that you would look at and go, man, what in the world would Jesus want to choose him? He's notorious. He's unclean. Everybody hated tax collectors. I mean, despised them in all sorts of ways for all sorts of reasons. I just, we don't know how much disgust to put on it. You know, it's just, this was just, wow. And Matthew's probably a materialist. Why? Because he's around money and he loves money. Zacchaeus probably was too. He's a rich man. I mean, probably loves the money and loves the material thing. And look what happens. He leaves it all behind for Jesus. And then he actually invites others to see Jesus. That's good. Matthew, we know this, that he shows a lot of humility after his conversion because in the gospel, which he wrote, Matthew, he mentions himself, Twice and hardly at all. <laughs> Doesn't talk about himself much. He must have had that change and become humble. And we know that he must have knew the Old Testament. Maybe he was like a closet reader when he was at the tax booth or something. You know, he didn't want his friends to see him. But he, he must have knew the Old Testament because the Gospel of Matthew is quoted far more than any other Gospel writer than Mark or Luke or John. Quotes it more than all the others combined, actually. This is Matthew. What does Jesus offer him? Change, a calling, an identity, a destiny, purpose, forgiveness, value. Or, I mean, so much more. All those things and more that we said. People judge. They don't like it. What's going on? Why does Jesus hang out with them? And Jesus says these amazing words. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, our souls grow sick apart from Jesus. We should really be shocked and amazed that there's not more like sickness and soul sickness and mental sickness and all the around our world. I mean, like, why do we ask why and wonder why? Our souls will grow sick apart from Christ. Your souls have these needs, and we don't know how to meet. So you meet, try to meet them through all these things and drugs and sex and this and that. And, I mean, like, our souls grow sick. Jesus says, well, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick soul. I came for the one with that hole and that void that they just don't know how to, how to meet. And so Jesus' mission was to offer change. A call to something more. I came so that they could be sought out and saved. This is Matthew. I want you to see it though, secondly, in the life of Zacchaeus. So flip over to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 19. The story of the wee little man only occurs in Luke chapter 19. And I just can't get away from it when I talk about these things. Acceptance and value and a calling and a heart because I think there's just something so amazing about Luke 19, 1 through 10, where the story of Zacchaeus is. Let's read it together. And you search for those truths in this text. Bible says, He, Jesus, entered Jericho and He was passing through, always to another place, but to Calvary for us. 
And there was a man named Zacchaeus. The guy's name means innocent or just. Ha ha, he was not innocent. He was not just. He was not fair. He was a chief tax collector. So remember the tax guys that are G's and the tax guys that are M, and M had more opportunity for corruption, and then you had the lesser M's and the greater M's, and he is the chief, he's the greater M. He's the tax collector. Yuck, bum, 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 bum. I mean, like, hated, unclean, can't, can't do this, can't do that. Everybody hates him. And he's rich. Well, we know how he got rich. <laughs> and he was, keyword, seeking to see who Jesus was. Our souls are always seeking something. Some realize and some don't. and Some find the ultimate living water and the bread of life and some just they try other things to chew and drink. He was seeking, Zacchaeus, good thing. He's seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, many, many people he could not because he was small of stature. I had a guy tell me this week, I, I like Zacchaeus because I'm too a small of stature. Verse 4, what do you do when you can't see? Well, you can give up and go home, or you can press on and keep checking things out and digging. Verse 4, so he ran. Adults, grown men normally don't run in this culture. He ran ahead. Some of you haven't ran in a while, right? And My running gets slower and slower and less and less. And he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Grown men don't climb. Although I asked some of the students this week at FCA, how many of you have you seen your dad climb a tree? And some of them put their hand up. We must have some tree climbing. I said, no, you didn't. Put your hand down. Your parents ain't climbing trees. Maybe for hunting or working. I don't know. But in this culture too, you don't, you know, what makes you run? What makes you climb? You'd be like, what is this guy doing? He's not acting very dignified or proper. He does that sycamore tree. He wants to see Jesus. The Bible says where he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, out of all the people, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I'm going to have fellowship with you. I'm going to bond with you. I'm going to trust you. Out of everybody that he could have picked. Why, why does he pick Zacchaeus? Why does he give this guy acceptance and belonging and, and value and worth? And Well, he's doing something. He's going to satisfy the needs of Zacchaeus' soul that he's running for. I want to stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, Zacchaeus did, and he received him joyfully. He didn't go, oh, goodness gracious, Jesus is coming to mind. He didn't panic. There wasn't fear. He also didn't grudgingly go, Jesus is coming. i got to go to my house because i got to go to church because Jesus and... He did, there was no grudge, there was no fear, there's no way, he, he joyfully, like, man, are you kidding me? Jesus is coming to my house. And when they saw it, how many of you know there's days in every church? <laughs> they saw it, they said, they, they, they all grumbled, they often do. <laughs> He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, doesn't Jesus know? What's he doing? Well, this guy is a Sinner, he's like one of the great M tax guys. I mean, he's bad. He works for the evil government. He's keeping us from the kingdom of God. He's keeping us from everything that we're the Messiah and everything. I mean, this guy's bad. Inside the house, maybe after the meal, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, 
the half. I'm not great in math, but I think half means 50%. That's a lot. Half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. If I robbed them $20, guess what? I'm going to give them back 80 He gives more than what the law requires, but he is doing something. He's going to change because his soul has changed. And Jesus said to him, play on words here, Today, Yeshua has come to this house. Well, Yeshua is Jesus, but Jesus means salvation. Who walked in the house? Well, Jesus, salvation. But what really came was salvation. Yeshua has come to this house since He also is a son of Abraham. Ooh, identity, calling, purpose, destiny. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The story of Zacchaeus, I love. We've, we've looked at it before, but for Zacchaeus... The change in the call brings so much joy. And I think there's so many people that they would have joy if they could just learn about this free change and this free call that's even for them. You know, we're not innocent and just. No one's born Zacchaeus. We're born sinners. No one's really born in. We're born outside, just like these two men, these tax collectors were outside the Jewish system. We're outside of Christ. We're outside of righteousness. We're sinners. But the great thing is that Jesus wants their company. Jesus chose Matthew. Jesus chose to go to Zacchaeus' house. And Matthew chose Jesus. It was reciprocal, you know. Jesus chose them, but they chose Jesus. They chose to follow. They chose to invite. And there's joy. Literally, he rejoices He stands up, Zacchaeus does, after the meal, a changed man. Matthew stands up after the table, a changed person. We need people to stand up, you know, changed. That's what we pray for. And he he does so many things to to make things right in his life, Zacchaeus does. I told you about the fourfold and the half and all these things that are done. He shows a couple things. Repentance and restitution. It's really what we all should do and what we want to see. We want to see, number one, repentance. That people repent. That they turn. That's what change is. All people's souls are really craving repentance. They, they want to change. Even Not just right at salvation, but even us every day. We should be daily repenting and daily wanting to change. That process is called sanctification, right? He shows repentance, but then He also shows restitution. This one's hard because it's, it's like the hands and feet of it. It's like, I'm going to make things right with my words, with my hands, with my feet. There's restitution. Half it cost him to follow Jesus. It's a costly thing to say, I'm sorry to someone. Will you forgive me? I took 20, here's 80. (laughs) But that's evidence of true salvation. Because literally, as verse... 9 says, salvation came to His house, Jesus. And so Jesus gives us His his mission, and I think this is so great of a verse that we should just memorize as many of you have. This is why He came. This is why we still preach Jesus everywhere we go. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He's all about seeking the lost. He's all about saving the lost. 
We know what happened to Matthew. He goes on to be the disciple. We have history that he goes on to write the, the gospel that bears his name, and history says that he goes on to be martyred for Jesus. For Zacchaeus, we just have this history that maybe he went on to be a bishop in the church. Two neat guys drawn to Jesus, and Jesus satisfies their soul's desire. We close this morning with application, although I want you to think about all those things that I said at the beginning. But two points for application. Number one, this may be in the form of a question. If them, why not you? If them, why not you? Why not, why not me? Find what you're looking for in Jesus. Find what will ultimately satisfy in Jesus. Find the change, find the call that you are looking for in Jesus. If them, if they receive that, then why not you and why not me? Let Jesus meet your soul needs. You can be Matthew. You can be Zacchaeus. Number one, if them, and why not you? But number two, the second point of application, maybe this way we could say it in a question. If Jesus offers this, then why can't we? If Jesus offers this to people, then why can't we offer this to middle schoolers and high schoolers and adults and senior adults and people in a dares world that don't know what they're looking for, that have this void in their soul? If Jesus offers these things, then why can't we? The question kind of is this, what message in ministry do we communicate? What message in ministry does the church communicate? We should communicate this. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm going to bond with you and have fellowship with you. And yeah, this, we're here to seek and to save the lost. But so often through the centuries, this is the message really that the church has communicated. Oh, you can't change. You are too far gone. But if you're going to have to change, you're going to have to do this, 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 right? And they go, yeah, that doesn't satisfy my soul's desire. Right? If Jesus communicates this and offers this, and th that's what his message and his ministry was like, then why can't we offer that too? Like, friend of sinners. Jesus, friend of sinners. He was called that for a reason. Like, why can't we go and say to people, look, we see great potential for change. You can change. And you don't have to do it all at once. Like, you can change, and we're here to help, and we're going to be with you on this, and we're going to show you that you can have a do-over, and you can have a fresh start, and you can have a new beginning, and they'll resonate with that. Oh, my goodness, yes. But if we say, well, you can't have that until you change, right? Are you, first, you've got to clean up before you belong. We need to say you can belong, and then we'll show you how the gospel will clean you up. We can be like Jesus. We, we can be the Matthew and Zacchaeus, but we have a lot of Matthew and Zacchaeus is all around us every day. So we can be like Jesus, and we can help others find this. I can help, help you realize what it is you're really looking for. We need to offer that. Do you want meaning in your life? Do you want something to live for? It's Christ. And here's your purpose. Here's your destiny. Don't, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to end it. Life can be different. And I think, I think deep down when 
the middle school student has a suicidal ideation. Or I, I think deep down, it's really words that are just trying to express this, although they don't know how. I think when the man has the midlife crisis or the woman buys and buys, I don't know. You could, there are many, like I said, there's many ways it plays. I think deep down, these are the things that we're trying to get to. And Jesus helps. So today, twofold invitation, again, saying it a different way. Number one, turn and follow. You can, and it's great, and it's, oh, it's, there's joy in Jesus. Turn and follow. You can turn and you can follow. You can change and you can receive the calling. Number one, turn and follow. But number two, for us that have, we always continue turning and continue following. Don't stop. If you've stopped, then that's wrong too, right? Continue. But, but share hope. That's the second. Share this hope. Share this message. Find ways to share this. I feel that when we do, it's going to resonate and it's going to change lives because Jesus did. Turn and follow. Share in hope. Every soul needs a Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.